Lord, amen and amen and amen. Glory to God. I believe God has our number today. I believe He knows us inside and out. I believe He knows our heart. He saw us all week long. He knows if we've had any worship for Him through the week or we saved it all up for Sunday. Uh, if some people saved it all up for Sunday, uh, yeah. God bless your heart. We're going to pray for you. If this is all you saved up for Sunday, uh, in some people, not everybody, but there's always people that don't get it. They never get it. They would rather complain about their circumstance than just give God glory and let Him change their circumstance. They're waiting for something happened to give Him praise. And something happened over 2,000 years ago at Calvary that should stimulate praise in our life, in our heart, in our mouth, every day of our life. Praise God. Hallelujah. So I don't wait for something. I don't wait to see what's going to happen when I get up in the morning, whether I'm going to give God glory or whether something's broke or something. Somebody's, you know, out of sorts and mad at me or whatever's going to happen. I give him praise because of what he did for me at the cross when I get up in the morning. Amen. I begin to thank him for what he's done for me. What is mine and what is mine in him, praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. I want to read a verse of scripture and then we want to talk just a little bit today about uh, covenant blessings for covenant people. Uh, most people are living below their privilege as a child of God. Most Christians live below their privilege as a child of God. You can tell it in a congregation when we have to entertain them with a choir singing and you pan the congregation and nobody in the congregation is worshiping in many large congregations. They're watching, but they're not worshiping. They're being entertained by the choir, but they're not entering into any personal worship of God. And, and they haven't grown up. You know, the Bible said of heirs, and we're going to talk about heirs today uh, again. Uh, the heir, as long as he's a child, differeth nothing from a servant. Nothing belongs to him yet. Nothing belongs to him yet. The heir, as long as he is a child, differeth nothing than a servant. A servant in the house doesn't have uh, very much. He he's not going to get the house. He isn't an heir to all that the father has. But the child is an heir. But he doesn't differ from a servant until the child matures. How many know that until you're 18 years old, you can't receive your inheritance. Because a 12-year-old is not mature enough to understand, appreciate, and appropriate what is truly theirs. So you have to be mature. And that's why growing up in God is so vitally important because I see people that want to express maturity through their visions, their dreams, their, their prophecies, the things that God shows them and tells them rather than walking in the fullness of their inheritance. And if you're living a life, it, you know, I'm really not interested in what God's showing you if He can't show you who you are in Him and who He is in you. The rest of it don't make a lot of sense to me. Because if you can't walk it out in your life, if you're living in defeat and the devil is defrauding us out of what is rightfully ours in Jesus Christ, then we need to grow up in God. It's a simple matter of maturity. For the heir, H-E-I-R or H-I-E or however you spell it, amen? The heir... As long as he is a child, differeth nothing than a servant. But when they grow up, when they grow up, 
then everything that has been provided and bequeathed to them becomes theirs. They can inherit all that is theirs. And I'm going to tell you, what God has done through Christ at the cross costs so much. I want to walk in that reality because of what it costs for Jesus to provide it for me. I don't want anything that he has provided through the cross to not be applied to my life. And I want it for the glory of God, not for my convenience or my personal, uh, you know, edification. I want it. I want to walk in victory because of what he did to give me the victory. Amen. I don't want to walk in defeat. I don't want to complain. I want to comply with his word. Amen. Some people grow old. Well, actually, we all grow old. But some people, yeah, we do. Some people grow old, but they never grow up. They've been in church for years, but that's as far as they've got. And the heir of all that has been accomplished and provided at the cross, as long as that heir is a child, the Scripture teaches, differeth nothing than a servant. Because nothing that's been provided can be obtained until you come of age. But when you become of full age, then you can claim your inheritance. Can you say amen? What would happen if Christians grew up and become a full age and claimed all that God has provided in Christ for us, not in the sweet by and by, but in the nasty here and now? We would hear something in the church that you have to strain to try to hear these days. Blessed are the people that know the joyful sound. When we come out of that doctor's, when we come out of that imaging place where they they're looking for cancer as hard as they can and they're they're doing that because they are concerned they don't want to misdiagnose and if there is there they want to catch it early enough to try to treat it but when we came out of there with faith in god and you prayed and we prayed listen we have an inheritance this is not something god has to decide to do this is something he has decided to do and has done at the cross It happened at the cross. Everything that you're an heir to, it all was put into your account at the cross. Can you say amen? But since Christians grow old instead of growing up, and by the way, talking in tongues don't mean you're mature. Don't mean you're mature. Without love, growing up, growing in the Spirit, it's sounding brass and tinkling cymbal. It's going to take the attention from someone or something and sometimes Jesus himself and put it on you for a little while. Amen. And then once people look at you because they deem you to be spiritual, they have expectations of you and me. They expect us to walk in some victory. To live in some kind of of life that denotes that you can overcome. Your marriage can last. You can be healed. You can be blessed. God will provide. But you've got to grow up. And part of growing up is obedience. You become obedient to the Word. You're not forgetful hearers. Come on, kids are are known for disobedience. In fact, the Bible said (laughs) that foolishness is bound into the heart of a child. It's there. Give a two-year-old a two-year-old pop. Let him take a taste of it and then grab it away from him. You're going to find out. Tell him you can't have that until you eat all of your, all of your green beans. Amen. That's like whacking a hornet's nest. Amen. 
When people grow up, they begin to obey God. And you're going to find something in obeying God. You're going to find that, that, listen, the Bible said, He that heareth the word and hears immaturity, he that heareth the word and doeth it not, I'll show you what he's like. He's, a like, he's like a man that beheld his natural face in a glass, in a mirror. He saw his true self. I'm going to tell you something about mirrors. They don't lie. Amen. I can look in a mirror all day long and say, boy, I look just like Tom Cruise. But the I don't even ask the mirror. Mirror, mirror on the wall. Who's the fairest of them all? Because the mirror always say, well, it sure ain't you. Can you say And I get tired of hearing it. But when you grow up, you're not a forgetful hearer. Dad told his son, there's water moxins in that swimming hole. People have gotten ear infections in that old swimming hole. Don't you go swimming after school. Twelve-year-old kid says, I'm not, I won't, Daddy. I won't. I promise. Guess what happened? Dad just decided, I got off early. I'm going to go by the swimming hole because he ain't home yet. And him and five other guys are down in that swimming hole with the water moccasins, ear infections. And he has on a, his swimming trunks. He's, he's not swimming, you know. He has, has on his swimming trunks. And he's, he's just having a time, and his dad drives up, and he comes out. And his dad goes over to him and said, I, I, I thought you, I told you not to go swimming. He said, I heard you, Dad. But I, I got out of school, and then I was tempted. His dad said, then why did you bring your swimming trunks when you left home to go to school? Amen? Your grandson asked today, you this week, about chastisement, God's chastisement. And she told him, God's chastisement is a spiritual pop. So he asked me this morning, when I walked in and I didn't know the conversation, then what is a spiritual pop? I thought, that's, that's a... That's a daddy that walks with God, you don't know, or, or that's some kind of new candy at the Christian bookstore. Can you say amen? You suck it and you get a revelation. I don't know. What's a spiritual pop? I didn't know what it was. She explained it to me. A spiritual pop is... It's when God gets your attention. It's discipline. Wow, that hurt. <laughs> amen. A spiritual pop. You see, children don't even understand God's discipline. The Bible said, don't faint when, you're, when you are disciplined of Him. He chastens every son that He loves and scourges everyone that He receives. It's an act of love on God's part. I'm glad God got, got my attention when I decided to, to get a, well, not, no sin in getting a motorcycle, but when you get a black leather jacket and a switchblade and a blackjack, then there's something wrong with that. Amen? You get an attitude and you want to you just be rebellious and disobedient to parents and to teachers and to the popo and to anyone else. I'm going to do my own thing. God got my attention. And God knows how to get people's attention. Thank God for His discipline. It's an act of love on His part. He could have let me go, but He didn't let me go. Thank God He didn't let me go. Can you say man? The heir, as long as he is a child, differeth nothing from a servant. He has all of that provided for him. But he can't personally enjoy and employ any of that 
until he comes of age. But when he comes of age, when he grows up, and one of the hard things for a pastor is to preach and teach the Word so that people will grow up. Most of the time we're trying to correct bad behavior. And that's what you do with kids. You spend your time correcting bad behavior. Amen? Trying to get people to do right. To live right. To simply follow Christ. Just trying to urge them. Don't be so inconsistent. Don't walk out of church and go back out in your disobedience. Make some kind of commitment to follow Christ. I can baptize you in water, but I can't cause you to walk in the newness of life. Amen? But you've been raised to walk how? In the newness of life. And obedience marks this maturing process when you become obedient to the Word of God and the God of the Word. Because you love Him and you want to please Him and you want to serve Him. And you don't become... See, so many people go up, come out, they come in and with broken hearts and broken lives and we pray for them and God touches them distinctly. And then they go right back out and return to the old pattern of life. Right back into the old pattern of life until, until once again I'm obligated because the Holy Spirit will come on me to preach and I'm trying to get them to just go ahead and commit to Christ. But the problem is there's people that want to grow in here. Amen. So I can't keep trying to get people that don't want to follow Jesus to follow Jesus. I've got to try to get the people that are following Jesus to mature in their walk with the Lord so that God can bless them and make them a blessing. Can you say amen? Is it alright if God blesses you and makes you a blessing? May I say this to you? If God can't bless you, He can't make you a blessing. If I'm defeated today, I can't be a blessing to you. I have nothing to offer you. Amen. In fact, I've had people in such defeat that they would counter every positive thing that I would tell them from the Word of God. I had a loved one that was up in years and... And got way down in that old hole in the ground, that old ditch, you know, feeling lower than a snake in a wagon rut. And, uh, and it's hard to get people out of that rut. And he said, God must hate old people. I said, God don't hate old people. God loves all people. And He especially loves us when we need Him more. He draws closer to us when we're in any kind. The Bible said that He gently leads those that are with young you got a young'un back there. I thought you got, got it at Walmart. Hallelujah. And I said, boy, that is so realistic. Look at all of that hair, that, that, that beautiful baby. You know how God leads you with the, with the young one? He's not going to expect you to keep up with everybody that's not packing around a baby. He's going to expect you to pace yourself differently than that person, that 16-year-old that, that don't have a child. And He's going to make compensations for you because of having that young one. He gently leads those that are with young. Amen. I've had people counter anything I say about faith. And it would come back at me. I feel it coming back at me. And I just want to go on to perfection. Go on to maturity and completion. I can't stay back. I want to. I love people. But I just can't spend my time. It's frustrating when you preach to people that are unfruitful. That when they hear the Word. When they hear the Word. Instead of any sense of, of obedience to the Word, they walk out in their own way. And then they come back complaining about how bad their life is. Toe up from the flow up. Can you say, man? And I love them. 
And I'm going to keep encouraging them to at some point in their life decide to follow Jesus. Remember that song? I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I won't turn back. I won't turn back. Well, if you ever make that decision, amen, God is going to give you everything that you need to follow Him. And you're going to live a life that is markedly different from the people who don't have a covenant relationship with God. Amen? Three things you get through a covenant relationship. Number one is sonship. Say it with me. Sonship. Now does not appear what we shall be, but we know where we are spiritually in relationship to God. Now. Now. This is not progressive. This is not someday. This is here and now if you're a Christian. Now. We are. Say that with me again. Now we are the. Now we are the sons of God. And here's the rest of it. And if sons of God, then an heir of God. Well, why do we live? Why do we live like we live? Someone said we're born crying. We live complaining. And we die disappointed. Can you say, man, we're born crying. We live. Oh, come on. Don't tell me there's not more complaining than there is worship in a lot of Christians' lives throughout the entire week. We're born crying. We live complaining. And we die disappointed. This, yeah, we do. I don't know why God blesses him and won't bless me. See, God's no respecter of persons, but he honors faith and he honors obedience. And he that hears my word and does it not, he's like a man that beheld his true face in a glass and went away. And immediately forgot what manner of man he was. He didn't commit to repent. He did not commit to change anything that he's doing. He wants God to bless him in spite of what he's sowing. We sow discouragement, despair, doubt and fear, disobedience. And we expect God's blessing and we wonder why is that person being blessed and I'm not. Amen. I challenge you. When I was, listen, I didn't like to mow the yard. It cramped my style. It, it eat into my time. Mowing the yard for my daddy and mama was, oh, no, come on. It's Saturday and I got to mow. I had plans today. I, I got a can of worms. I got a BB gun and a pack of BBs. I'm going to the woods. I'm going to the pond. I'm going to catch some of those fish. I've got a big day planned. I'm going to take a peanut butter sandwich with me. I'm not coming back until it's dark. Oh, I've got a great day planned. Oh, but before you go anywhere, you better mow that yard. Oh, man, come on. Come on. I got big plans. Oh, man. But, but oh, oh, if I, want, if I want that quarter. That was my allowance back then. Can you imagine, dear Lord in heaven, a quarter? Can, can you imagine handing your child a quarter and say, here's your allowance, and they look at you like, oh, come on. Seriously? Can you say, man? They don't want no dollar. Five dollars or more to even begin. Ten, give me that twenty. And go to the show and get me some popcorn. Well, I don't know. You can't get a whole lot. But I remember, Brother Taylor, I remember 
when I saw my daddy coming home from a tire shop and he was sweaty and he was tired. And I saw my mama coming home from cashiering in a grocery store and she was tired and her feet had been hurting, but she'd been standing on them all day long. And I remember when it clicked. I remembered when I began to appreciate, amen, what they were doing for me, amen, and what it was costing them to be a blessing to me and to have a roof over my head and clothes on my back and those school clothes, those four pair of dungarees and four shirts and six pair of white socks and one pair of shoes that I started the school. It was costing money that we didn't have a lot of. And I remembered when it clicked in me. I remembered when I was probably 13 or 14 but I was growing up I was growing up and it clicked and I thought you don't have to you don't have to threaten me to get me to mow the yard you don't have to pay me to get me to see when you get mature in the Lord it's not the promise of blessing or the threat of chastisement it's because you love him and you want to serve him and if a man loved the Lord look at the maturity when you begin to really love God Not just sing about it, but really appreciate what He's done for you and reciprocate love to Him. The Bible said, If a man love me, he will keep my commandments. Not because of the threat of chastisement and not because of the promise of some particular blessing. If a man love me, he'll just keep my commandments because he loves me. And they won't be grievous unto him. You know what that means? He won't, as a Christian, look so down in the mouth, toe up from the flow up. Because I'm going to tell you, you start walking in his ways, he's going to bless you. Deuteronomy 28 says it very clearly. It says, he that hearkeneth diligently to the voice of the Lord. That, you know what hearken diligently means? It means listen with the intent to obey. You don't just listen and and walk away as if it never... You're listening with the intent to obey. You say, Brother Venable, I have a problem obeying. Hey, I'm going to let you in on a secret. We all do. When God says, love your enemy, it's not easy for me. I have to crucify my flesh in order to obey God. Amen. I have to bypass what my normal fleshly reaction would be to follow Christ. Pray for them that despitefully use you. Well, I pray for them all right. Get them, God. Whoop them good. Can you say, man? No, that's not what he's saying. He's saying really, genuinely intercede for them. Do good to them that despitefully use you. Do good? Do good? Are you kidding me? They don't deserve me to do good. But that's the choice. Am I going to obey him? Or am I going to go on in my way? When you stand praying, if you have aught against anybody, forgive. For if you don't forgive men, their trespasses against you, the Heavenly Father will not give, forgive you trespasses against Him. That's why in the Lord's Prayer, forgive us our debts as we contingent upon, as we forgive them that trespass against us. You've got to get down to business. You've got to grow up. But if you do, you're going to receive an inheritance. You're going to receive everything that God has provided and promised and purposed at the cross. And when you do, you're not going to walk in defeat. You're going to walk in victory. You're going to know the joy of serving Jesus. Can you say amen? And that down in the mouth, poor old me attitude is going to 
turn into praise and worship and gratitude and thanksgiving. Hallelujah. If you hearken diligently to the voice of the Lord. Listen, I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself, but the New Testament counterpart is this. We need to give the more earnest heed to the things that we have heard. Amen. You don't need a new revelation. You need to take what you know and put it into practice. Come on, you don't need something new and different. You need to take a hold of what you already know and begin to act on it. Can you say amen? amen. And apply it to your life. We need to give the more earnest heed to the things that we have heard, lest at any time we let them slip. I looked up that word slip in the Greek. And it means to flow by carelessly. It's talking about a boat that is supposed to come into the port. It has a cargo to unload on the port. But instead of coming into the port, it passes right on by. Everybody go like this. Every Sunday. It's not over your head because I make it plain. I don't use a $50 word to get across a when a 50 cent word will do. To show you how intelligent I am. Besides, I don't know the $50 words anyway. I've often wondered why they make up another word when they had a perfectly good word. Amen. If you want to call a vase a vase, that's fine. If you want to eat dinner instead of supper, that's fine. If you invite me over for dinner, I'm not going to show up at noon. I know that's changed. Used to it was breakfast, dinner, and supper, right? But now dinner is supper. And, and, and breakfast is still breakfast. Thank God they left breakfast alone so we don't get any more confused. Can you say amen? And what is dinner? Dinner is lunch. Isn't that right? So if I invited your house to dinner, I'm not going to show up at noon. I would have a few years ago, but <laughs> I'll be there at 6 or 7 or whenever dinner is served. I've, I've heard preachers preach words with preach messages with so many words and you're saying my goodness i have to have a phd to understand what you're saying no the bible is written on about fifth or sixth grade and so are newspapers why because they would like their readers to understand what they're reading and you can't put into practice anything you don't know. And you're not going to know it unless we break it down. When I worked at Winn-Dixie, I had about five young men, three young black men and two young white men. And they were, they were always wanting me to break down something to them. And they would, I'd go to lunch and I'd, never, I'd have to put my sandwich in my pocket and really break the rules. I didn't mean to be mean, but it was for the glory of God. And I guess he looked over it anyway, and they didn't catch me. Amen. You're not supposed to eat out of the lunchroom. But I would have to grab me a bite on the way back to my, my line that I was taking care of when I was in production. And, and they would come to me with a little old New Testament. You remember the little Gideon New Testament? Man, I used to read that without glasses. Now I need glasses and a magnifying glass. Can you say, man? They'd have something marked and they'd say, they'd say, Preacher Bob, Preacher Bob, there's a scripture here that we don't understand. Can you break it down to us? 
Can you break it down? That means can you explain what it means so that we can get it and use it and utilize it and apply it to our life. I met a man the other day in a, in a, in a store and he went from there. I, I retired at 62 and now I'm, I'm 68 going on 69. It's been a lot of years and I met a man that used to come for me to break it down with them. And we used to break it down sometimes going out in the parking lot after work and continue to talk about it. Amen. Because these young men were serious about following Jesus and they wanted to understand so they could obey. And this man was still following Christ. And boy, I appreciate it. Come up and said, I tell people that I work with at Publix. I'm no longer at, at Winn-Dixie. I'm at Publix. And I tell them about how we used to get together at lunch and study the Word of God. And I said, well, I am so glad. And I'm so glad I could be a mentor to him. But he wanted to know. He wanted to learn. He had a hunger for the Word of God. Because he wanted to please God. And he wanted to serve God. Now, there are people that should be here this morning. And when it gets bad enough, really bad, they'll be here. And they'll be toe up from the flow up. And we'll love them and minister to them. But at some point, we can't keep our ministry just to people that are not going to take it and use it. We want people to grow up so they can receive what is theirs in Christ. Because every true Christian is an heir because he has sonship. Say it with me, sonship. Sonship. Now we are the sons of God. It does not appear what we shall be, but when he comes, we will see him as he is, for we shall be like him. We are heirs of, if sons, then we are heirs of God. And if we're heirs of God, then we are joint heirs with Jesus. Everybody say joint heirs with Jesus. If you're a joint heir with Jesus, that means the relationship initially is what God is addressing. You have a relationship with God. And I have a relationship with God where He accepts us not as stepsons, but as genuine sons of God. Have you ever heard that expression? They beat him like a red-headed stepchild. I don't know what it is about red-headed. My daddy never beat me, but he did chasten me. And it wasn't because I was red-headed. It's because I was hard-headed. Oh, don't look at me as if you was that sweet thing. When you was growing up, you were perfectly obedient and you just did everything. You never got the cookie when you were told not to. And you always jumped at the chance to mow the yard. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. But when I, when I grew up, when I was a child, I spake as a child. I thought as a child. But when I grew up, Paul said, Paul had to grow up. Every Christian has to grow up. You're not born mature. You have to grow. Tongues is not making you mature. Dreams and visions and prophecies don't make you mature. And it doesn't make you spiritual. We need to redefine spiritual. Spiritual is how you follow Christ. Walk in the Spirit and you will not fulfill what? The lust of the flesh. And what's the flesh want to do? It wants to be seen. It wants to be heard. It wants to be glorified. It wants to be magnified. It wants to be lifted up. And it's hard to find humble. 
servants of God today. Because the more power people consider themselves to have, the less humility they seem to exude. And humility is the necessary attitude of the heart for obedience to come forth. Jesus humbled Himself first. Humbled Himself. Humbled Himself. Though He thought it not robbery to be called equal with God, He humbled Himself and took on Himself the form of a servant and became obedient even to the death of the cross. Not my will, but Thy will is the cry of the humble heart. Can you say amen? Are you glad Jesus was obedient to the death of the cross? He said, well, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ the Lord. Let that be in you. That involves maturing. And by the way, I've got to read this. We won't get, we won't get through that. Everybody say sonship again. Sonship. Everybody say citizenship. citizenship. That's another thing. That you have now. The Bible said our conversation is in heaven. The Greek word is citizenship. That means when you become a Christian at that moment. At that moment. Your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. And at that very moment. You are counted while on earth as a citizen of heaven. From that very moment. It's not something you're trying to earn or make it. It's yours in Christ now. Heaven recognizes you while still on earth as a citizen of that holy city. So you're not waiting until you die to see if you go to heaven if you're a real Christian. In fact, you're not a, you're not a, <laughs> you're, you're, as Chris, one Christian that was dying, he said his friend came to him and they were praying for him and he had the peace of God on him and he knew where he was going. And his friend said, oh, John, John, in a few moments, you're going to be leaving the land of the living. And he said, I'm not leaving the land of the living. I'm leaving the land of the dying, and I'm going to the land of the living. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Christians are not citizens of earth on their way to heaven. They're citizens of heaven on their way home. Hallelujah. Our conversation is in heaven. Make no mistake about it. If your name is in the Lamb's book of life, and that happens when you get saved, then your citizenship from that moment is in heaven. And we are now aliens, and we're to see ourselves as strangers and pilgrims here upon this earth. Not at home. Remember that great Christian hymn? I can't feel at home in this world anymore. Can you say, man, the world doesn't have to accommodate me. The world does not have to applaud me. The world does not have to love me because we're in the world. But Jesus said, but you are not of the world. And I do not pray, Father, that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. Can you say, man, glory be to God. Somebody give God glory in this room. I can't do all the shouting. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Sonship. Citizenship. Wow. And heirship. Not talking about a blimp. Amen. Heirship. You're an heir of God. 
and a joint heir with Jesus. Now we are the sons of God, and if we're sons, then we are heirs of God, and if we are heirs of God, we are joint heirs with Jesus Christ. And that has to do with more than just what, you, what He's provided for you. It's the fact that how He receives you. Ephesians says that we are accepted in the Beloved. That means He puts us in Christ. And He puts Christ in us. And Christ in us is the down payment on heaven or the hope of glory. Us in Christ means that we have a relationship with God where He loves us with the same love wherewith He loves His Son. So if you're trying to earn something from God instead of receive what is yours, you haven't grown up. You're no different than a servant. But when you grow up in God, you mature. Something happens. Something's already happened in your spirit, but something has to happen in your mind. You have to be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Now, the spirit of some people's minds... Oh, my! remember the commercial? A mind is a terrible thing to waste. Well, until it's renewed, it's just a terrible thing. Because to be carnally minded is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Can you say amen? Spiritually minded is not trying to figure out if the devil's hiding behind the fan. There's some people come into church and their mind is on the devil. We're worshiping God, but their mind is on the devil. I know the devil here somewhere. Well, of course he's here somewhere. Probably in your back pocket. Because your focus is on him. It's not Jesus Christ. Amen. You get your focus on God, you won't be trying to figure out where the devil is because you know where God is. Can you say amen? And, oh, come on. Come on. I hear people talk that way. Brother Vimble, don't you feel that old spirit of the devil? No, I don't feel the spirit of the devil. I got the Holy Spirit inside of me. Amen. Won't you kick the devil out of your mind? Hallelujah. Get rid of stinking thinking. Look at somebody and say, stinking thinking. That's stinking thinking. Amen. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is me. He, I'm not a victim. I'm a victor. Hallelujah. I'm an heir of God and a joint heir with Jesus. I'm not going to live like a beggar. Spiritually. The Lord is the many-breasted one. He's El Shaddai. Shad means breast. He's the many-breasted one. Have you ever seen a picture of a hog or a dog with a whole bunch of little ones trying to find a, a spout? And one can't find a spout. And you know what they used to do with a runt that can't find a spout and can't fight his way to have one every now and then because he's going to die anyway. They take him out and they kill him. They just whack him, kill him. God don't do that. He said, there's plenty. I'm the many-breasted one. <laughs> there's not a few that's just going to get fat in me and the rest of you are going to starve to death. No, this is for everybody. El Shaddai. Hallelujah, the all-sufficient one. I'm going to tell you something. He's El Shaddai, not El Chipo. Can you say man? So we ought to begin to live in the El Shaddai life. Praise God. I'm not talking about material alone. He'll take care of that down the line. But I'm talking about spiritually. We ought to be the rich and the regal of this world. And we ought to live like it and talk like it and sing like it and act like it. Amen. Hallelujah. 
But the air until he grows up. The air, the true air, as long as he is a child, differeth nothing from a servant. You understand it? You've got to be 18 to come into your inheritance. You can be a multimillionaire until you get 18. They're not going to give it to you. But when you grow up and you mature, then you're not going to be just a servant anymore. You're a son. And you're entitled to everything that has been left to you. This is such a sad thing. We've got sonship, citizenship, and heirship. We have a right to an inheritance. And listen to what Paul said. I want to give you this scripture real quick. What he said in Acts chapter 20. I'm going to begin with verse 28 because he's preached at Ephesus. And he knows the wolves are going to come. And what breaks my heart when people don't grow up, when they stay spiritual children, they fall for anything. They run after every charlatan, every kind of... I had a guy sit down in, in Hardy's restaurant after church, took my wife there. She loved their hamburgers. We're sitting there eating a hamburger, and a guy that had been in our service sat in the back. He hadn't responded to the worship and the praise because he had this thing going on, this thing going on. He can't worship with us. I mark anybody in our audience that can't worship with the rest of us. Because when they say, try to tell me what God showed them, I thought, did God show you sitting there like a bump on the log at the appropriate time when worship was, was given to God and you sit there like a bump on the log because you're thinking about what you're going to tell me when we're done instead of listening to what God is trying to tell you? I don't want to hear it. You ain't got nothing to tell me. I don't need that bad attitude. I don't need that critical spirit. I don't need to claim spirituality that does not exist. Can you say, man, I'm going to tell you something today. I'm a son of the living God. I am, I'm not looking for crumbs from my father's table because it's my father's table. I'm not a dog. Hallelujah. I'm a son. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. God has, has gave me something in Jesus that is worth more than all the money in the world. If they had found cancer in my wife's breast and it had spread to her lymph nodes and she was given six months, amen, of all kinds of, of surgery and chemotherapy, amen. Honey, I'm going to tell you, I'm so glad for the healing power of Jesus. I'm so glad for the prayer answering God. I'm so glad to know that it's been provided that with His stripes, not we can be healed, but we were healed. It was, the provision was made. And when we grow up in God, we will see it. We will understand it. Our faith will grow up. Hallelujah. To walk out of there, I felt like a rich man. Because there are people driving Mercedes that don't have the miracle, that don't have the answer to prayer, that are without hope and without God in this present world. Amen. Hallelujah. So you keep your Mercedes and let me have my inheritance in Christ. Thank you. Hallelujah. You keep your millions and let me have a God who says whatever you need, I will provide it. Because money can't buy you love, but God gives it to you for free. And money can't buy you health, but God gives you healing when you trust Him for it. Money can't buy you deliverance, but God says call upon me in the time of trouble. I'll deliver you and thou shalt glorify me. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
Listen to what Paul said in verse 28 of Acts 20. Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over which the Holy Ghost has made you an overseer to feed the church of God which he hath purchased with his own blood. To feed, to feed, to feed. Jeremiah 3.15 helps me understand exactly. And there's other scriptures, but it's so specific. And I will give you pastors after my own heart. And they will feed you with knowledge and understanding. Can you say man? Don't let the wise man glory in his wisdom. Don't let the mighty man glory in his strength. Don't let the rich man glory in his riches. But he that glorieth, let him glory in this, that he knows and understands me, saith God. Can you say man? Everybody say knowledge of God and understanding of his way. You got it. It didn't go over your head. Something's going to happen around here. Hallelujah. Something's got to happen. The heirs of God are going to come into maturity and receive what He's provided for them. And it's going to change your life, your family, and everything about you. And I just can't keep preaching to people that are going to let it go and not tell you what you need to know. I've got to preach to those that will apply it. Because to tell you the truth, it's very frustrating to watch people hear the word and do it not. Jesus talked about those folk. If any man hears the word, does it not? I'll show you what he's like. He's like a man that built a house, but he built it on sand. And he built a big house, but there was no foundation. And the rains came, beat on it, and the flood tides. Floods are killing people right here in America and other countries. They're devastating. And the floods beat against it. And it fell, and great was the fall of it. But any man that hears my word and does it, I'll show you what he's like. He's like a man that before he started building up, he started digging down. He dig deep. Come on, he dig deep. He dig deep and laid his foundation on a rock. We're talking about obedience here. We're not just talking about trusting God, believing God. We're talking about following through and obeying God. The issue of that parable is obedience. A man that hears my word and doesn't do it is built on the sand. You know it's going to fall. You know it before he walks out the door. He can get baptized in water. He can get baptized in the Holy Ghost. And talk in other tongues. But if he don't obey God, he's going to fall. Amen? Amen? He's going to fail. People come to me with a false, phony spirituality. They can't walk in victory for two weeks. They know everything that you and I need, but they can't apply anything to their own life. If you're going to come through the door and prophesy to me, I don't expect you to come dragging in. Oh, when the saints come dragging in. Oh, when the saints come dragging in. No, don't come prophesying. Come to learn. Come to grow. So God can bless you and keep you and make you a blessing. 
That's just my requirement. If you've got an old car that is beat up and you've lost your insurance and about to lose your license because you've run over the garbage can, you run over your own cat and dog, amen, you, you hit, a, hit an embankment and, and, and it's all tore up and, and it's beat up and thing won't hardly run because you're hitting everything that you, and then you come and want to give me driving lessons. I take you somewhere and you want to sit in the back seat. Tell me, oh, you don't, you're going too fast. Oh, you better watch that corner. Oh, you better be, oh, hush up. I'm going to put you in the trunk if you don't hush up. <laughs> Only way I'll let you ride is in the trunk. But if you must ride in the car with me, do not tell me how to drive if my car ain't broke up and beat up. Can you say, man, I don't need driving lessons. Hallelujah. Amen? Some of you are impressed by that. I'm not impressed. It turns me off. It leaves me flat. It leaves me cold. I don't see spirituality there. I see carnality. Amen? I want to see someone walking in the blessing. I want to see someone that no matter what hell has thrown at them all week long, they come into God's house to praise Him. And they're going to praise Him anyhow. Can you say amen? Somebody that's going to declare Jesus is still Lord. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. I get it. But the Lord delivereth him out of them all. Can you say amen? I'm not a victim. I'm a victor in Christ. Victory is my business. And business is good. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Glory. My wife had her headphones on praising God. Sometimes when you've got the threat of cancer like that and you're waiting on a report, gets you close to God. Sometimes. <laughs> and I thought, my wife is doing what the Bible says. She's seeking the Lord. Seeking the Lord. Not just seeking healing, but seeking the Lord. And the wonderful thing about seeking the Lord you will receive what you need from him. But you get something that's more precious than the healing she'll tell you about. It. And that's that intimacy with him. That sometimes we let slip because we're so busy, so distracted, so disturbed, and sometimes so discouraged. But I believe God wants to change that. Hallelujah. I believe he wants us to seek him with our whole heart on the good day. So that when the bad day comes, we're, we're not having to get to that place of faith. That place of, of dependence where he can give us peace. We're already there. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Amen. I want to get up in the morning and let God know, I need thee. Oh, I need Why, brother? Remember, you're facing a crisis? No, I live in a faulty body, in a fallen world. I don't know what's coming, but I know who is holding me and upholding me. And I need him. Can you say, man, I need thee. Oh, I need thee. Every hour, I need thee. Paul said to the church at Ephesus as we hurry to a close. In verse 28 of Acts 20, Take heed, therefore, to yourself and to all the flock, over which the Holy Ghost has made you the overseers, to feed the church of God, which he hath purchased with his own blood. For I know this, after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. 
And of your own selves shall men arise, speaking perverse things, to draw away disciples after them. I want to stop and just explain that. There have been people come in and want to be part of a prayer meeting, but they were not part of that church. And you shouldn't have to be to pray together. But they're not there to be part of that body and to edify that body. They're there to establish their own spiritual influence, to undermine the existing spiritual leadership, and to draw disciples after themselves. Hello? Paul said, you better watch for them because they're coming. And they're not here to help you. They're here to get you to be part of their own building up. They're not concerned. They don't have compassion. They're not going to weep over you. They want to exert spiritual influence and authority. The problem is they're not a pastor. They don't hold the office. They want to supersede that office and undermine that office. And I've seen them come down through the years, and I've seen churches have to deal with them. And Paul said, when I leave, because as long as Paul's there, they can't do it. He won't let them do it. The lady that was criticizing me and criticizing the church came to me after a service, came back for a service, and said, I want to hold a women's. God has led me to hold a women's prayer group and Bible study. And I looked at her like, seriously? You criticize us? You don't love us? You don't worship with us? But you want to come in and lead us? And God told you that? Number one, He didn't tell me that, and I'm the pastor, and He's going to have to talk to me about you. You can't just, you can't just come in and establish authority because you said God told you something. And number two, I know you. And I know what you're doing. And you ain't going to do it in here. You'll have to do it out there somewhere. And the only thing I can say, the Lord rewards you according to your works. I'm not pronouncing any judgment on y'all. Let God take care. You're his kid. Can you say, man, if you're really saved? And he chastens every son that he loves. And he's chastened me before. I trust him to chasten everybody else when they need it. When I leave, they're coming. But they're not coming till I leave. Because the Bible said that when you grow up, you, get, you don't get discerning of spirits. That's a gift. It has nothing to do with maturity. The operation of the gift has everything to do with maturity. But we call it discernment. It's not discerning of spirits. That's a gift. But strong meat belongs to those who are of full age, who by reason of the exercise of their senses are able to tell good from evil. You think, Brother Venable, that seems so plain, especially here at Halloween, All Hallows' Eve. I mean, the spooks look like spooks, the ghosts look like ghosts, the goblins look like goblins, and I can tell a goblin from an angel. Oh, really? The Bible said no marvel if Satan himself be transformed... Come on, if you're, looking for the, if you're looking for the red jumpsuit and the forked tail and the pitchfork, you're looking for the wrong thing. No marvel if Satan himself transform himself to appear as what? An angel of light. And hold on. And his ministers 
His preachers as ministers of righteousness. But if you've got the Holy Spirit and you get in the Word of God, amen, and you begin to grow, desire the sincere milk of the Word, desire the sincere milk of the Word, that you may what? Grow thereby. Hallelujah. Strong meat belongs to those that are of full age who by exercise of their senses are able to discern both good and evil. And you don't just discern it in others, darling. You discern it in yourself. Can you say, man, anoint thine eyes with thy salve that you may be see. See what? See others? No, see you as God sees you. If I came in here to impress you today with my sermonizing, that's the wickedness of my old flesh. Amen. Oh, I'm gonna let, I'm gonna I'm gonna be red hot. <laughs> you remember that fifty song? My gal is red hot. And then the answer comes back, your girl ain't doodly squat. <laughs> I'm gonna tell you if I came here yeah, that's you you don't remember the fifties, I understand. Amen. It's out of your league. Listen to me. Amen. A man coming in to show you that he's red hot spiritually, he ain't doodly squat. Amen. Because when you grow up in God, you don't want the focus on you. You want it on Jesus Christ. And if somebody tries to put it on you, you deflect it to Jesus Christ. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. 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 So you've got to grow up to be able to tell the difference. That's why so many people got on television. You, you know, you've got to grow up. He's got a blessed wallet. A blessed wallet. It's going to cost you money to get that blessed wallet. And I got a high definition. My son gave me a 65-inch HD television. I didn't need it that big, but now I'm spoiled. It's high def. So when he opened the wallet to show the money in it, he had about 50 ones. And I thought, that looks like a lot of money. But I don't see no... Listen, I don't even know those other guys. I mean, honestly, I would fail a quiz. Who's on the 500? I don't know. Who's on the 1,000? Do you know who's on... <laughs> you don't know neither? I don't know either. I know George. <laughs> I'm well acquainted with George. <laughs> I mean, know which dollar bill George is on. He's on the one. They say that when the bank turns in old money with tears in it, so they replace it with new money, because they take it out of circulation, they burn it in incinerators. They incinerate. And in the story, there's a $20 bill. And a one dollar bill on the way to the incinerator to be burned up. <laughs> and the one dollar bill, the twenty dollar bill said, Well, life hasn't been so bad. I've been around a long time. I have been to great restaurants. I have been to nice hotels. I have been on vacations to beautiful places. So uh, I've had a good life. And the one dollar bill said, That's fine for you. All I ever did was go to church, go to church, go to church. When you grow up, a child 
as long as he's a child. New Testament. A child, as long as he's a child, differeth nothing from a servant, even though he's heir of all. Even though he has, he's going to receive it, but it, until he grows up to where he can legally claim what is his. Amen. He's going, to, he's going to live like a servant instead of a son. But now you are the what? Now? Right now? Not, 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 not in the future. Here and now as a Christian. Now we are the what? We are the what? We are the struggling servants. No, we are the bona fide, verified sons of the living God. And if sons of God, then heirs of God. And if heirs of God, then joint heirs with Jesus. And Jesus, to prove it, said everything the Father has is mine. And when the Holy Ghost comes, He's going to take of mine and He's going to S-H-E-W. Show it unto you. Show it. It's the word for communicate it to you. You can't, you can't claim what you don't know you have. And that's why we need knowledge and understanding. Can you say amen? And that's why we are commissioned to feed you. Feed the flock of God. Feed this with what? Knowledge and understanding. Listen to it carefully as we close. This is the fourth closing. We could actually close very soon now. Listen to it. Verse 31 says, Therefore watch and remember that by the space of three years I cease not to warn you day and night with tears. And now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of His grace, which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance among all them which are sanctified. Can you say man? And to show you he wasn't after the money part of the material part of that. He said, I coveted no man's gold and apparel. Can you say man? I didn't ask you to give to my ministry or give to me to get your inheritance. Your inheritance is what is yours because of what Jesus did at the cross, not what you can buy on the public marketplace. For we're not redeemed with corruptible things. Amen. Like, like gold and silver after the tradition of your fathers, but we're redeemed with what? The precious blood of a lamb without spot and without blemish. Make no mistake about it. You couldn't buy this blessing if you had all the money in the world. Hallelujah. But you can receive this blessing because Jesus paid it all. Hallelujah. All to Him I owe. My sin was like a crimson stain. And He washed it white as snow. So I'm not preaching to people this morning or trying to teach someone that wants to magnify the flesh and glorify in themselves. I'm talking to people that need to grow up. And I'm not looking at, at your age today. Maturity. The Christian faith is not how long you've been on the road. It's how far you've traveled. And really, maturing in the Lord in faith and growing in faith is not getting more revelation. It's acting on what you already know. But you've got to know before you can act on it. How many want to grow up and receive all that He has provided? Listen, He paid too much at Calvary. For me to live in defeat. It cost him too much on the cross. For me to go around spiritually poor mouthing. Can you say man. I have a great God. 
I have a gracious God. I have a good God. I have a wonderful Savior and Sovereign and King. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. And I love to see people walking in His blessing and talking about His blessing. They that do know their God will be strong and do exploits. Hallelujah. I've got to read this to you. This is, this is so typical. When I, when I read this and, and I printed it out in closing, I just, I just thought of being a pastor for all of these years. And for years, ministering to congregations and seeing the emotional highs that will come in a wonderful service but then seeing those deep, dark, dismal valleys where people can't seem to get through and you take one step forward and get your hopes up for a Holy Ghost revival and people that can win others and take two steps back and the next Sunday have to start as if that Sunday had never occurred. Because if any man hears the word and do it not, all that building was on sinking sand. But any man that hears the word and applies it and does it, what happens to that man? He digs deep. He builds his, fa- he builds his house on a rock. Oh, by the way, it doesn't mean troubles are not coming. They are. The winds blow on it. And the floods beat upon it. And the rains. But it does not fall. Because it's founded on a bedrock of Jesus Christ. And our commitment to follow Him. Can you say man? Hallelujah. This is true. This is from a newspaper. I think it was Arizona. I know the other one was. One was Bolivia, South America. This is Arizona. This is close to home. A long-lost relative of the reclusive, eccentric New York heiress, Huguette Clark, a lady, who stood to inherit $19 million of her $300 million fortune has been found dead from hypothermia in it's Wyoming, I'm sorry, in rural Wyoming. Timothy Henry Gray's body was discovered by children sledding under a Union Pacific Railroad overpass in Evanston, in the southwest of the state, on Thursday. This was in the winter. As the temperatures hit 10 degrees... Gary Gray, 60, was the half-great-nephew. Think about this. Now, he's not a son. He's not a son. He's a half-great-nephew. That's down the line. He was the half-great-nephew of Clark, who died May 2011, aged 104. And tragically was unaware that he was entitled to 6.25% of her estate. Isn't that incredible? He's not a son. He did it all. He's a great nephew. This was his great aunt. 
or aunt, depending on which side of town you live on. Can you say amen? She got her fortune from a copper mine. And it was conservatively estimated at $307 million by the administrator of her estate. He was found, as I read the rest of the article, in a light jacket, homeless, under a bridge in 10-degree weather, where he froze to death. And he was an heir. He was an heir. He was an heir. He was an heir to $19 million. And he died like a pauper, penniless, homeless, underneath a bridge. And I thought, there it is. There it is. There is a big majority of the Christian world today living as spiritual beggars instead of the sons and heirs of Almighty God. And some pastor is just trying to console us instead of challenge us to grow up in God and lay hold. The kingdom of God suffereth violence, and violence take it by force. You're not forcing anything from God. But I'm going to tell you something. Your flesh will argue with this. I don't feel like a son of God. I don't feel like, well, and, and your childishness, will argue against what God wants to give you. Well, God blesses him and God blesses her, but God never blesses me. You can't get it that way. That's childishness. When I was a child, I thought as a child, I spake as a child. But when I became a man, when I became a man, when I became a man, I put away childish things. Oh, he chucked everybody's hand but mine this morning. I ain't going back to that old church no more. Honey, honey, please, for heaven's sake. Amen. I'm sorry I missed you. Come here and I'll hug your neck and shake your hand. I'll wash your feet if it's necessary. But I can't make you grow up. Can you say amen? you got to grow up. But when you grow up, you don't need the pastor's hand. you got the master's hand. Can you say amen? <laughs> Hallelujah! And I like to shake hands with people. I'm going to shake hands with every one of you if you give me the opportunity and I missed you and I'm coming right now because I don't want to have to wash your feet. I'm hungry. Can you say amen? And I didn't shake your hand, but I love you in the Lord. And I called to check on you. Praise God. And, and you're going to, believe it or not, hallelujah, God is going to bless you and keep you. And I'm glad you came back because we're growing in the Lord. We want to take you with us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. See you blessed and see you overcome. Hallelujah. And I'm glad you're back. And you didn't come for a snack. You came to attack. Glory be to God and win this battle over the enemy. Praise God. Strong meat will cause you to grow. Ain't got no pablum here. Don't have no milk here. Well, we do, but we just don't dwell on it. Paul said, I couldn't give you no meat. You can't ever grow up. He said, I couldn't give you meat because you couldn't bear it. So I fed you with milk. If you are 22 years old and you have a bottle, and I'm not talking about a bottle bottle, I'm talking about a bottle with nipple on it. And you ain't eating no Whopper. And you ain't eating no double cheeseburger. And you're not eating no steak, no shrimp, no pulled pork. Can you say amen? Amen. All you're doing is sucking on that bottle. I'm going to tell you something. You are undernourished. 
You, you, you are not, your growth has been stunted. Milk is perfect food for a baby. And it will help you as an adult. But you can't live on milk. There's a graduation. You go from milk to junior food. Amen. Or to, or to baby food. You go from baby food to junior food. Then after a while, that baby's sitting over there. Amen. Eating that strange spinach. And looking at your pork chop. Can you? <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Amen. After a while, that baby's going to figure out. <laughs> you know something? I got me some teeth. I don't need these teeth for strange spinach. I'm growing me some teeth, and I smell a pork chop over there. Can you say, man? And it's not just any pork chop. It's a stuffed pork chop. It's got dressing inside the pork chop, and it's got gravy on top of that. After a while, that baby going to spit out the strange spinach. Say, give me some of that pork chop. I'm going to chew it up. You know, we didn't, we didn't have the money to get baby food. My great-grandmother. Everybody get your ooh on. Ooh. My grandmother, take a bite of mashed potatoes. Take a bite of meat. She'd chew and chew and chew and chew just like birds do. Chew and chew and chew and chew. Spit it out in a tablespoon and hand it over to me. I thought, I'm ready. I'm ready. I don't want no more of that strange spinach. Amen. I taste pork chop in here. Amen. Potatoes and carrots and dressing and gravy. Chew it up and, and hand it right over to me. Can you? And, and Oh, Brother Venable, did he kill you? Let's see, I'm trying to remember. Amen. No, I, I think I made it. Can you say amen? I really think I made it. <laughs> I don't know if you've noticed, but your teeth have been coming in. Amen. Spiritual teeth have been coming in. And it's for grinding up some meat. You've got incisors inside of you spiritually. And it's to chomp on the meat of the Word. Amen. And if I keep giving milk to babies, babies will never grow up. We'll just all grow old and we will be defeated. And you'll be the next spiritual casualty. Heir to, heir to all that Christ has done at the cross, but living as a spiritual pauper. I'm not talking about the material. That's way down the line. But I am telling you this. When you grow up and you begin to seek the Lord and His righteousness. All these other things on top of the blessings that are spiritual. All the other stuff is going to be added unto you. I was young and now I'm old. I have never, 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 never seen the righteous forsaken nor His seed begging for bread. Hallelujah. People on television begging while preaching that message and talking about faith. Begging you and me every Sunday. Every chance they get begging, 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 begging. I've never seen the righteous. Listen, if they'd get really right with God, instead of trying to build their own empire, just want to further His kingdom. I'm a firm believer. If we do God's work, God's way, we'll have God's provision. God is going to talk to somebody. God is going to make a way. Hallelujah. I'm convinced of that. I'm looking for great things because I'm an heir of God. I have sonship. I have citizenship. And I have heirship. Let me close with this. It's, it's important. This is good. I was going to ask for my spare glasses so I could find my real glasses. But I see them. 
A homeless man supposed to be living, supposed to be living on the streets of Santa Cruz de la Sierra, Bolivia. Fled police who were bringing him the news. He ran from the police who were bringing him the news of a $6 million inheritance. The man disappeared without a trace, causing Bolivian newspapers to speak of him in the year 2000, 15 years ago, as a new millionaire, paradoxically not knowing his fortune. The inheritance came to Mr. Martinez from his... See, sometimes God wants to bless you through ways... If it don't come the way you think it's going to come, you think it ain't coming, so you give up on it. His ex-wife. His ex-wife. Ines Guijardo Olivares, who inherited the money herself from family members. She evidently did not blame him for leaving her several years ago. That's awfully sweet, isn't it? He left me, but I don't. And I want to bless him. If he's out there somewhere, I just want to bless him. So she left him out of her inheritance. She left him a multimillionaire, six million dollars. And the police, trying to track him down, came over toward him, and he thought they were going to arrest him for vagrancy. And he ran. And he's sitting somewhere under a bridge today. A multimillionaire. And the blessing's trying to chase him down and find him and get it to him. But he's sitting under a bridge somewhere saying, Well, I ain't got nothing in this whole world. But at least I got away from the popo. I'm sitting under this bridge about freezing dead and starved death. Hallelujah. But at least I'm not in the old jail cell. I'm going to count my blessings. There are people who run from a church that won't accommodate defeat. Will not, will not give glory to the devil for his works when we got such a great and glorious God. I'm going to tell you some devil ain't your problem. And the devil ain't my problem. Amen. If God be for you. If God be for you. That's the issue. That's the only issue. That's everything. If God can legitimately be for you. Who? can be against you. Oh, Brother Venable, I was going to serve God, but the devil came against me. Well, it's time we got to look at the backside of the devil. Listen to the obedience. Listen to it. Submit yourself. Come on. Come on. Forget spiritual warfare if you are not submitted. i got to hurry with this. but Forget it. Forget about the armor. You can't use the shield of faith unsubmitted to Christ. You can't cast out a devil if you're not following Jesus. Submit yourself therefore unto God. Oh, by the way, submission keeps on running. If you're submitted to God, you've got to submit to that that He tells you to submit to. Submit to them that have the rule over you. For they watch for your soul. That don't mean to put a Jim Jones in charge. No, it means as long as they follow Christ, you follow their lead. It's not a divine dictatorship. But as long as I'm the pastor here, you're not. You may know more than me, be more, get more visions, dreams, talk in tongues more, but you are not in charge. 
You're not responsible for the souls in this room. I am. So God is not going to talk to you and leave me in the dark. He's going to talk to me. And I hope that you listen some Sundays. Amen. If you're in that high place, I wish you would come down and sit with the rest of us. And maybe we'll learn something. Maybe we'll see ourselves and our need. Can you say amen? I'm a pastor because God called me to be. Amen. So anybody that come in like the guy in the Burger King, he said, God has told me to come to your church. My gift is interpreting dreams. And I thought you didn't get that from the New Testament. There are people who interpret dreams, but there's no gift of interpreting dreams. He said, if anybody had a dream, I can tell them what it means spiritually. And I, looked, I saw a book in a secondhand store. It said 12,000 interpretations to your dreams. 12,000. Somebody had compiled a book with 12,000. Can you imagine? Can you imagine getting the one that may actually apply out of 12,000 options? But what what are immature? Yeah, it is. It's so fist bump. Yes, ma'am. Fist bump. Amen. We know better than that. Come on, we're growing up. We've been eating pork chops around here. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Was I impressed? Yeah, I was impressed to tell him to get away from my table. I was nice about it. Amen. But I didn't want him in my church. I didn't want him in my table. Amen. Go, Come on. You can pull that on people that are spiritual babies, but you can't pull it on me and my congregation. We don't come to get our dreams interpreted. We come to get the Word of God interpreted and to be instructed in that that's going to stand when the world passes away. I've had spiritual dreams. I've got the interpretation. I prayed to the Lord for the interpretation. He gave it to me. Still does it today. But there's no one individual standing up front going to tell you why that you dreamed that you were in Indianapolis in a bicycle and outrun all the cars. Oh, yes, thou shalt be a leader above all the leaders that have ever led. Thou shalt leave them all behind in the dust. For I have called thee to great things. You will, you will win the spiritual Indianapolis 500 on a bicycle. <laughs> I receive it. I receive it. Well, of course you do. What, what a nutcase. Amen. Your flesh will receive anything that exalts you. Can you say, man, anything that puts you up instead of brings you into humility and dependence on God? Amen. Amen. Well, we need to get away from that. Get your, get your instruction from the Word of God. If you have a dream and you believe God give it to you, ask God to tell you what it means because why in the world would He give it to you and then leave you in the dark? Thank you for the hand clap. We've been eating some pork chops, some T-bone steaks, some New York strip, and some pulled pork. Can you say amen? Sanctified pulled pork. We're not babies anymore. Keep your blessed wallet. Keep your blessed wallet. The blessing ain't on the wallet because I give you money so you can put 50 ones in it. I mean, I'd love to have 50 bucks just out of the clear blue. That's fine and dandy, but my financial problems are way bigger than 50 ones. I need God to help me out. <laughs> One man selling water. Water! Somebody standing up said, I bought some of this water. I drank that water. God paid off my house. 
Did you know something? Whether you drink that water or not, somebody's going to have a windfall out there. It's just the law of averages. But to get God to help you, you've got to obey Him. You can't just give somebody some money and drink some water. One world-renowned so-called evangelist was selling a cross that glowed in the dark. Here we are at All Hallows' Eve, Halloween. A glowing, it's just like the sword now. They're back out there because the new Star Wars movie is coming. And, and that sword does what in the dark? You hold it up to a light, turn off all the lights, and who's your daddy, Luke? Who's your daddy now? Anyway, amen, that sword is back. Can you say <laughs> It's back. So you buy this cross, and what you do, you put it up to the lamp by your bed at night. Until it absorbs the light and you turn the lights out, it glows. And if the devil is outside your door, because there's, there's instruction with it. And you can sleep peacefully because the devil can't come in your room with that cross glowing. I thought, oh, my Lord, have mercy. The devil, look in that door and see a glowing cross. Come on. And, and, come on. I can't go in there and bother them. Did you know after two hours what's going to happen? You know what's going to You better wake up and turn that lamp on and hold that cross up to that lamp and recharge that bad boy. You know why we're laughing? We're laughing, but these people are on television. These people are driving Bentleys. These people, amen, are multimillionaires because Christians, particularly Pentecostal brand of Christians, Baptists won't fall for it. The Methodists won't get close to it. Who's buying it? Pentecostals. Looking for something other than the Word of God and to grow up in God and get a hold of the true and the living God. It's not a plastic cross that glows in the dark. It's an old rugged cross that Jesus hung on that the devil's afraid of in my life. Can you say amen? Will you stand to your feet? I commend you to God in the word of His grace which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance among all those that are sanctified. Can you say amen? But the child, as long as he is a child, differeth nothing from a servant, though he be the heir of all. Though he be the heir of all. The heir of all. Desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. Praise God. Praise God. We have sonship. Before you see gold or silver, we have sonship can't buy it with silver and gold we have citizenship we're heirs of the holy city we will be welcomed when we get there because our name is recorded among everyone everybody that's preceded us our name is right there in that book of the citizens of heaven hallelujah and we have airship we have airship glory be to god Hallelujah. It felt so good. As I sat in the waiting room while they're looking for cancer in people. And some people, they're finding it. The lady that took care of my wife, 
She said, I have a friend who waited and waited and waited and waited and waited. And when they finally had a test, she's my personal friend. She said they found that the cancer was not only throughout her breast, but it spread to the lymph nodes and other places in the body. And now she's got a little window, a little short window of not just waiting to die, a little bit of life left, but a life with radical surgery, radiation, and chemo. So it's not just going to die. It's, it's that process that you've got to go through. And friend of mine, I believe we need... I believe we need every blessing that Jesus bought and paid for at Calvary back in the church of Jesus Christ because that could have been my wife. It had been five years since she started going back for those tests and she's 66 years old because we had no health insurance for her. We trusted God for those five years. And believe me, when they found the lumps, the first thing the devil screams, you've waited five years. This could be, this could be you. So I sat in the room with her. I held her hand. And I made a statement here and Doug put it up, put it to a picture and put it on the website. Before we went to the doctor, we prayed. I said, Pamela, we're not going to say, oh God, if, if we find anything, then we're bankrupt spiritually if they find anything. If they find cancer, we're done for, we're done for. No, no, no. It is what it is. Whatever's in your breast, it is what it is. We don't deny that. That's not how faith works. It is what it is. It is what it is. David didn't kill no giant by denying his existence. To everybody else, he was too big, too big to hit. To David, he was too big to miss. Faith changes your perspective. I said, Pamela, it is what it is. I would prefer that we not have to be waiting 30 days and going through the, the emotions of wondering what if, what if, what if, what if. It is what it is. But God is who He is. No matter what it is. When they diagnosed me with leukemia, it was leukemia. The blood cells were there. I didn't get healed by denying I had leukemia. But going to church and having someone rebuke cancer in my blood in the name of Jesus Christ. And it got up and left. And on my medical record, Dr. Paul Menthorne, when I was eight going on nine, it read spontaneous remission. Without chemotherapy, bone marrow transplant, we had no insurance either. Spontaneous remission. You know what that means? It was there before they prayed. It was gone after they prayed. We don't know where it went or why it went, but it's gone. Hallelujah. Can you say amen? We know. We know why it went. There's still power in the name of Jesus. There's still victory in the name of Jesus. The church of Jesus is not without heavenly resources. Woo! Hallelujah. And I want to get people in church. And I want to get them in the Word of God. And I want to feed them with meat. So they can grow up. Hallelujah. And receive what Jesus paid for at the cross. So we can look at a gainsaying world and say. And say. And say. Who has a God like our God? A God so nice in all that we call upon Him for. 
Wow! Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I was humbled by this experience. I said, Lord, I heard my wife praying. She said, my husband needs me. My husband needs me. I'm his helpmeet. She didn't pray for herself. She prayed that she could be a blessing to me. Lord, he needs me. Glory to God. I'm glad she don't have to go back for six months. I'm glad it's the normal thing now. I'm glad the crisis is over. But I'm glad God is still on the throne. Hallelujah. Not only could he keep us from, he could have taken us through. See, most of us pray, oh, I want a good report. I want a good report. Listen, if you've got God's report, it don't matter what the other report is. God is still on the throne. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm glad for that kind of faith. Faith that can't be tested cannot be Trust it, because it will fail you when you need it the most. But the faith that will stand the test and say, no matter what, my trust is in you. Can you say, man? That's the faith that God wants to instill in us and build in us. I don't want you living beneath some spiritual bridge, complaining about the cold. When you have $6 million, and you can go buy yourself a jacket, live in a mansion, Turn up the thermostat and get all warmed up. Drink hot chocolate and laugh at the snow. Can you say amen? Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Is it all right if your preacher wants God's blessing for you and God's best for you? Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to the Lamb. Don't run from a teaching that challenges your faith. Because you're running from your inheritance. You're running from somebody trying to get something to you that's going to bless you and make you a blessing to others. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. This woman right here is alive today. Amen. And God has blessed her. God has brought her through. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. This man is standing here today. Amen. Because God worked a miracle in his body. Hallelujah. A bleeding polyp that they thought was cancerous. But they couldn't biopsy it because of all the blood. So they wanted to get the bleeding stopped and have him come back. You know what they're looking for? They're looking for cancer. We dare even say it. It has such fear attached to it. Amen. But, but what did they find when they went back in to do the biopsy? After we had all prayed together to a prayer answering God, what did they find? They didn't even find a polyp. There was, come on, God took it out. God dissolved it. God disintegrated it. Can you say, man, he didn't need surgery. He didn't need chemo. He, did, he, he didn't need a biopsy because there's nothing to biopsy because it was gone. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. 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 Amen. Glory to God. I feel such glory. <laughs> Amen. Somebody catch me if I fall. At least pick me back up. Praise God. Hallelujah. I don't know. I can't do church as usual. I just can't do church as usual. Church as usual is a status quo. And the status quo is living beneath your privilege of power and, and blessing from the Lord. 
God wants to change it today. And one of these days, the news is going to get out that the true and living God is moving. The true and living God is answering prayer. And people are not going to be satisfied with the choir, no matter how great they sing. No, the preacher, no matter how good he preaches, they'll get hungry for the living God. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. 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 Let's give him praise before we leave. Ye karabahorunde basataya. Kela baranda da basata. Go 